O grace to you and peace from our God and Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, dear friends, perhaps one of the greatest um, obstacles that we have to overcome is that of forming a faith of our own design. In fact, when we form a faith of our own design, what we are in reality doing is worshiping a false god, aren't we? And it does become so very easy. For example, as we undertake missionary studies, as we begin to, to look at cultures and trace back the roots of their faith, the formation, we find almost always in the ancient legends that people followed the true God. But then something happened. Then came an hour of need, then came a, a plague or a, a drought, then came a, a time when they were trying to travel through the mountains and snowstorms surrounded them. And for whatever reason, they began to call out to something else. Surrounded in a snowstorm, one group of people, they begin to call to the rocks and the trees. They concluded that somehow God had abandoned them or God had never existed. But now if I call to the rocks and I call to the trees, maybe the rocks and trees can help me. And so then being delivered from that cataclysm, they now come to assume praying to rocks, praying to trees, that must be. The thing. Now, dear friends, perhaps in our lives we never come to that point when we've uh, abandoned God completely, when we begin to, to pray to rocks or, or trees, or we begin to, to use uh, things of the, the occult, or um, you know, turning to, to false religions, even to try to make our lives work. But yet, yeah, we can do it in very minor and subtle ways, can't we? You see, for us within the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, we claim that we believe the Bible is the word of God. But when we look at our brothers and sisters, so-called in other denominations, and we, we look at what they confess, they confess that the Bible contains some of the word of God. But do you see that, that huge difference? If when I open my Bible, every word is put there for my training, my learning, my edification, I have the word of the true God in my hand, don't I? But if on the other hand, when I open my Bible, I say, oh, well, some of this maybe came from God. I wonder which parts really are true and accurate. Well, guess what? Then I have become my own God, haven't I? I am somehow the arbiter of truth. And then as I read through the Holy Word of God, I see something that I don't like that well, and I say, oh, wow, God, God didn't really say that. Uh, get rid of that part. Oh, I don't really like this. Oh, I, 
just, oh man, it doesn't fit with modern society. I don't, don't like that part. But if someone comes to you for instruction, they want to know about your God. They want to know who your God is. And then you just kind of begin to formulate your own ideas. Well, you know, my, my God would certainly never send anyone to hell. And so no one is going to hell. Right? And I can tell people about my God that is going to save everyone, no matter if they've done good or if they've done bad. You say, oh, that sounds wonderful. Well, maybe we should all come over to St. Peter because the pastor there tells everybody that, you know, no one's ever going to go to hell. It sounds like a nice place, doesn't it? I should all go there. But no, that's what the false prophets did, wasn't it? In our text for today, as the, the, the writer is telling us about what things are like, he's saying, you know, curse are you. When all men speak well of you. For so they spoke about the false prophets. Yeah, you know, a person can put on a smiley face and you can tell people what they want to hear and you can tell them about all kinds of glowing things and, you know, you can really give it that good sales pitch, right? Everything is going to come out fine. It's all going to be Okay, and we're all going. But now what does the Bible say? The Bible says, oh, broad is the path that leads to destruction. Narrow is the door that leads to eternal life. Now, yes, certainly. You know, God has said in his holy word, he desires for everyone to be saved. He wants every single person to come to the knowledge of him. Jesus the Christ died for every single person that was ever conceived. See. But the fact of the matter is, you know, we go astray. Right? We all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us to his own way. You know, the Bible tells us the truth. The Bible lets us know that it is difficult to enter the kingdom of heaven. In fact, it is so difficult, only Jesus Christ could open the door for us. It's so difficult that no person ever conceived can make it on their own. They need help, and that help is Jesus our Savior. He loves us so very much. He stands with his hands outstretched, willing for every single person to be able to come in. But when you and I began to, to mess with the scripture, when you and I began to pick and choose the things that, that we would like and the things that, that we don't like that much, when you and I began to go astray and create a God of our own design, then we're lost, aren't we? We're not traveling in the right direction. It's so very easy. <coughs> I think about your own relationships, you think about your, your own families, 
um, you know, just as a, an example for today, you probably know someone in the, the so-called Pentecostal movement, right? Someone who's maybe church you, you visited or you've been with them from time to time, and they want to, to say to you, you need to be able to speak in tongues to show that you're saved. In fact, if, if you don't have, you know, this gift of, of speaking in tongues, you know, you, you, you maybe don't have it. But you're, you're just kind of depending upon your Lutheran baptism, you know, that, that you had as a little child. Yet you don't have what we have got. You may have heard that. You may have some friends and, and, and family. They, they want to convince you that their way is superior, their way is better. Right? You just come to their church and you can speak in tongues and you have this gift and, and then you will be reassured of your salvation, right? Well, we begin, though, to, to study the, the Holy Scriptures in, in detail. We find that this so-called speaking in tongues was a gift given to the early apostles whereby they didn't have to go to language school for five or six years to be able to pick up another language. And the purpose of the speaking in tongues was that, you know, the apostle Peter, you know, could, could see a, a Chinese person and he would be able to communicate the gospel to that Chinese person in their own language without having to have formal training in the Chinese culture. You see, this gift of speaking in tongues was not just that I somehow had my own private prayer language and nobody else could seem to understand, but it was so that I would be able to communicate in a foreign language even though I never had the training in that language. And so rather than just standing up and I say a bunch of syllables and a bunch of words that nobody has a clue about, and I say, oh, you know, Pastor Crosswhite must be really spiritual because I have no idea what he just said. No, it, instead of that, it was a gift given to the early church to be able to communicate with people of different cultures. And the Apostle Paul, he, he lets us know. He says, you know, I have spoken in tongues more than any of you. Now, do, do we think he, he's being false or he, he's just bragging? No, he, he begins his argument with that statement. I have spoken in tongues more than any of you. And you think about it, the Apostle Paul is the, kind of the missionary pastor, isn't he? He's taking these different missionary journeys. He's traveling, you know, throughout the, the known world at the time. And every place he goes, the Holy Spirit is giving him the gift to be able to communicate the salvation of Jesus Christ in foreign languages, even though he doesn't have training in that language. Right? Yes, uh, certainly a wonderful gift of the early church. But guess what? The Apostle Paul goes on to, to say, you know, sometimes it's possible within the assembly that a person might get up and they might begin to speak in a, a foreign language. And what you need to have in that situation is an interpreter. 
say. He said, you know what? If I get up in the, in the midst of the congregation, I speak in a foreign tongue and nobody can understand me. What is the benefit? He said. Say, oh, there's Paul. He's so spiritual. I can't understand a thing he just said. No, Paul says, oh, what good is that? If I'm speaking in tongues within the assembly, there needs to be an interpreter that can tell people what I said, you see. And so rather than the, these Pentecostal denominations having some a special gift, Paul says, so what? If you don't have an interpreter to let people know what that person is saying, so what? You see, it's only when we begin to, to study the Holy Scripture in detail, we begin to find some of these insights, and we begin to say, now, guess what? What does the Bible really say about baptism? It says when, when the, the pastor, the, the elder, uh, you know, ju just your, your mom or dad in special situations puts the, the water on you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, you've got the whole package. The Holy Spirit comes to live in you. You don't need some special second step. You don't need to have some dramatic experience where you stood up and you babbled and you had no idea what you said. No one else had any idea what you said. And then everyone kind of praised you and, oh, you finally have got it. See? But rather, you just need faith in that very word of God. That God, in fact, loves you. That God does, in fact, want you to be a member of his family. That God stands with his arms open wide. He says, I desire for everyone to be saved. I want everyone to come to the knowledge of me. I've given you this precious gift of holy baptism. And if the baptism is in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, it's valid. The Holy Spirit came to you. He came to live within your heart. Do you have faith? The Bible tells us to walk by faith rather than by sight. It's pretty easy to walk by, by sight and we begin to look around and we say, well, maybe my life isn't working out so well right now. You know, maybe things are kind of unraveling and some of the edges here and there, and I maybe don't even know if God is really with me here this morning because I'm just kind of looking with my eyes and what, what I'm seeing, I, I maybe don't really like so much right now. If we live by faith in that word of God, that God loved us indeed so much that he sent Jesus to die for our sin. If we have faith in that, if we believe in that, then we can start to get through the unraveling edges and the, 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 the discolored aspects of our life, the things that, that we don't really like 
so much. You see, I, I think it's maybe kind of kind of like this when when I was a, a younger man and you know my, my kids were little. I have Robert here today helping me out. When Robert's maybe five, well, maybe even three. So Robert's like three years old. You can maybe imagine me. I had more hair, you know. And I, I, I was walking with Robert. And, and maybe, you know, I even had Robert's hand in my hand. I was right there. Right, His, his dad is there. And we're walking hand in hand. He's only about three you know, sometimes three-year-olds, they maybe trip over a crack in the sidewalk and they fall down, right? So even though even though we were hand in hand and even though it was a nice day, even though I was maybe trying to watch to the best of my ability what was going on, maybe he still tripped. Maybe he still fell down. Now, because he's only three, I didn't yell at him, right? What in the world is wrong with you, son? Why did you just trip and fall down? I mean, you've been walking for a year now, two years now. Why did you suddenly just do this goofy thing? Well, hopefully I wasn't a dad like that. But see, what happened would hopefully have been that I, I would have picked him up and I would have, you know, brushed him off. You know, if, if he got, you know, like a scrape on his knee or his elbow, right, we would have went, went in the house and kind of gotten that taken care of. You know, the, the, the loving father would, would kind of comfort the child, would, would take care of the child, would help the child, you know, get through that, that a little bit of a difficult time. And then, you know, put the child back on his feet again. And maybe still hand in hand, continued to walk along, right? And dear friends, really, that's exactly what our Heavenly Father is like. No, you and I, we live in a sinful world. Sin is going to have an impact on us at times. Sometimes it's just something random. You know, we tripped and fell. It wasn't because God wasn't there. It wasn't because God didn't care about us. It wasn't, you know, God's not looking out for me right now. But rather, it's because of the sin in this world. It's because of where we live. And so even though I, I, I tripped and I fell, um, you know, God, he picks me up again. I couldn't walk and my knee was hurt, my elbow was hurt, I banged my head. You know, whatever happened, right? He, he carries me along. And he takes care of me. And he brushes me off again. He gets me back to the place where I can be strong and he sets me on my feet again. And we continue walking along, you see. That's the care that God has for us. That's the love that God has for us. He warns us, you live in a sinful world, right? He tells us from time to time that the sins of other people, that they can have an impact on you. Even if you yourself are doing everything right, even if you yourself are making the best of a bad situation, <clears throat> other people, they, they can sin against you. 
It can happen. And furthermore, well, you know, let's face it. We all have sinned, haven't we? We all have fallen short, the Bible says. Now, sometimes you and I, we, we mess up. Sometimes you and I, we, we jerk our hand out of God's hand. We say, I'm going to go my own way, Lord. I don't like that particular verse in scripture. I don't like that particular thing that, that you're saying people should do. I, I think the modern way is the, the way to go. I'm going to walk off on my own path. And God, as the loving father says, I'm, I guess I'm going to let you do it. I hope you will learn something. And I'll be there when you fall. Right? Because you and I, we've had 18-year-olds that have probably left home, haven't we? And they go off to college, and they're there doing their own thing. And, and you know, you, you, you can't really be in two places at, at once. And, and you kind of have to trust that, you know, their upbringing and, and you know, things maybe are, are going to be okay. But, you know, guess what? Kids sinned, haven't they? It doesn't mean God doesn't love us. It means it doesn't mean God doesn't love our kids. It means we live in a sinful world. The sins of others are going to impact us, and our own sins are going to have an impact. And God is still there. And He still loves. And he's still going to pick you up. And he's still going to take care of you. Until you're strong enough that you can be set on your feet. And continue on with him. Amen. May the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be in your hearts and minds now and always. Amen.